0: Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you and we hope you enjoy. Stylist, give it up for JP. You're looking good, I'll tell you that right now. Um, Thank you guys. Uh, It is Fall Festival and uh, just a huge shout out to all the veterans. We are so delighted to be a part of uh, all that God's doing in Luke Air Force Base and the Bassetts and the Hospitality House and everybody who just serves and make a difference to our military. What an awesome job. Um, Also, quick little shout out. You probably didn't notice, but there was a dead tree in front of the building and there was a group of guys that came and they hauled that thing away on Saturday. So... Good job. I'm not going to embarrass you because they're awesome servants, but thank you guys for all your, all your help in making this property look great. So um, I told my kids this morning, I said, you know what, guys, I'll keep it brief. Um, I won't take a whole lot of time because I know you're excited about the fall festival. So, but today I wanted to talk about hope today. I wanted to talk about hope because I feel like um, in all that's going on, I heard, I heard somebody say on a message that, you know what, every Sunday we need to talk about hope. Because it seems like in the culture that we're in, in the lives, and the stress, and the pressure, there's just a a grinding. And we have to remind ourselves of the hope we have in Jesus. So I'm going to start off today with talking about a a story of me as a child. Every, every, when I was about eight or nine, we'd go to Oklahoma. My mom grew up there in a little town outside of Bartlesville. And it's uh, southeast Oklahoma. I mean, it is in the sticks. There's nothing... It's, it's not even a town. It's like a country road, you know, where Ned's cows live, and there's the billboard. Like, that's where <laughs> we would spend our summers. And there was one bathroom in this farmhouse, and that was for emergency. So if you had to use the bathroom, it was in the outhouse across the way. Like, that, it was just country. Like So me and my brother, we'd go there. We didn't have video games. There was no smartphones, no internet. They had a television. It had like one station, so I don't even remember watching it (laughs) because it'd be boring anyways. So a lot of times we'd spend our days, you know, hunting for turtles or, you know, trying to find snakes, but most of the time we went fishing. And so this one story, this one day, uh, the story goes like this. We we were out fishing and we knew it was about time for, for lunchtime, coming back home. So my brother had an idea. He says, Sean, What if we make sure there's bait on our hooks? We leave our hooks there, and then we go home for lunch, and then we come back and we see if we caught a fish. And I said, this is great, because as a kid, you hate being patient. It's like you're out there, and you're wondering, is there anything happening? And so you're reeling, and then, uh, anyways. So I said, Bryce, that's a great idea. So we we reeled in our hooks. We had to make sure that there's bait out there. We we throw it in, and then we run out to, to lunch, and then we come back, and I'm so excited. We're talking about perhaps there's a fish, you know, a big catfish, all these different fish you can catch. So I'm reeling it in, and it doesn't seem like there's a fish. So automatically, my hopes are down, right? Like it doesn't, there's no tug. And so I'm reeling it in, but it feels a little heavier. And I reel it in, and I caught a fish. The only problem is that the body had been eaten. I said, What? I caught a fish head. How did I catch a fish head? <laughs> it was just the head of the fish. And so we, we run home and I say, Uncle Frank, look at this. I caught a fish head. What happened? He's like, What happened is that a fish got the bait and then a turtle came and ate the fish off the hook. So, so surprising that you had a head because by the time, you know, if you'd have left it there all day, it would have been nothing. And I thought about, man, isn't there times in life? where we feel like we have huge hopes, and then something awry that you never would have expected, and here you have your treasure being stolen. (laughs) Here you have this hope. You know, life is fresh, you're out of high school, you're going to conquer everything, you're in college, you got your degree, you're starting out. I have yet to find a person who says, you know what, my life turned out exactly as I had planned. Me and Jesus, we planned it all out and here I am at retirement and smooth sailing, right? I've never met a person like that because the fact is, is life is hard. There's storms. There's things that just rip us. We would have dreams. We have hopes. We have expectations of a, of a marriage and that falls apart. Or maybe we have hopes to have kids And then we lose our child. Or maybe we have loved ones that we've lost. Maybe we have uh, just relationships or jobs that seem so solid, so perfect. (laughs) For me, the market crash, I had all these homes and investment. I'm like, this is great. And then 2009 hit, and then everything changed. That's what happens. So what do we do when our hope is lost? What do we do when when uh, the treasure that we are so longing for is over, and all we have is a fish head on our hook. (laughs) The Bible talks about this in a couple passages, and I just want to turn to Psalms 46. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn it, or if you have a phone, a smartphone, you want to look it up. But Psalms 46, um, it's a great psalm, we're going to read some of it. But it starts out, and it says that God is our refuge and our strength. And if there's one component, one piece of this service that I want you to remember, is that no matter how you might feel, God is your refuge, and he is your strength. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though the waters roar and foam, and get this, think about the picture, the mountains quake with the surging. So, all uh, the psalmist is writing things that are very violent, destructive, damaging things earthquakes, winds, surges, ocean, all these turbulent things. But then he changes and he says, There is a river whose streams make glad. The city of our God." This passage um, took on a whole different meaning when I came across this article. It was written in 2011 um, by Media Line, and it's a Jerusalem publication, and they discovered in Jerusalem, they were going to make an underground um, like rail system, and they were digging out and the excavators for this railroad station. Um, discovered in central Jerusalem what geologists says is the largest underground river they've ever found in Israel. Imagine that. (laughs) All these years, there's this underground river that runs right through Jerusalem. He says, quote, "...we found a nice but small underground river." The professor Ferkman, the head of the cave research unit of the Hebrew uh, University's Department of Geology... He told the uh, media line, the article company, he said, In terms of Israel, it's the longest underground stream they have ever seen. It's kind of a canyon that's been cut by the stream of water over a long period of time. And they came across this cave, this huge, big cave. He says, We were the first humans to ever set foot in this cave. It was beautiful. One canyon was over 200 meters long, and we never reached its end. We found some waterfalls inside, which was nice for our arid country. Here, all this time, underneath Jerusalem, there was this river. And I think it's interesting that the article um, (laughs) made way that as they were making progress, as they were moving forward, even though in an arid, dry country, it seems like all this stuff is going on on the surface, it's when we make progress in our life. When we make advancements in our life, that we come across some of the most beautiful discoveries that ever exist in our life. And I think that's my heart for you, and that, that's my prayer, is no matter where you're at, maybe you're like, Sean, actually this is a really good season for me. You, you can remember back where you had despair, where you had hope, where all the stuff on the surface seems so chaotic, so turbulent, so damaging, so destructive. But I want to tell you that there is a stream. <laughs> there is a river who makes glad the city of our God. I believe that God is doing something underneath. Underground where you can't see where you never have any idea. But underneath I believe that God is doing something so beautiful. And I feel like it's right here, even in streams, as a picture of we are in the desert, we're in the valley, and here the name of our church is streams, that we are to be a place where people can come and receive life and to praise God and to worship and to connect in friends and family and fellowship, because that's what the church is meant to be. That's what we are designed to be. The, uh, The passage in Psalms 46, it continues in verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So no matter where you are today, the news is this, that God loves you. He is for you. And the news is that this too shall pass. This too shall pass. That's why it was so important in the Old Testament when they're in the middle of these great turbulent chaos times that they built an altar, a place of remembrance. And I can go back in my life and see difficult days and times and I remember how God made it through. He made a way. But maybe it seems like, man, this time it looks different. This time my diagnosis is different. I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know what the future is going to look like. I think we might just be in a time of testing in that time. My wife is a fifth grade teacher. And so um, every, every week <laughs> she's grading papers. <laughs> and every time she grades papers, it sounds kind of like this. Should we shut that <laughs> Okay. Uh, a, C, oh good, B. C D. Ah, oh, no, it's, we we went over that in class. How did they do that? Oh, this person got it wrong too. And I, I hear these sounds that she makes because <laughs> she works so hard to be able to construct a lesson to teach the kids. But there comes a time where you have to regurgitate the information that was taught. That we know God is good. That we know He's faithful. That He know that we know He's our provider. He's our banner. He's our strong tower. But then he lifts us (laughs) to a place of testing where the circumstances are difficult and we have to hang on to hope. We have to hang on and trust God knowing that he will make a way. He will rescue us. As As we sing, he rescued us in Egypt. That he is our provider. He is our strength. And maybe you're in that time of testing. I know for me, I had a very difficult time. Um, was, I don't know, five or six years ago. I just, it just was like, man, I thought I'd be better at this stage. Like, I'm in my forties. I feel like something would be more advanced. Like, I feel like I'd be out of debt by now. I feel like this area of my life would work good. I felt, why are you laughing? <laughs> this is my story. <laughs> I was like, this is not where I decided, no, I was supposed to be living large at this time, right? And um, this verse really began, became um, kind of a, an anchor for me. And it's what I call my recipe of hope. So it's found in Romans 12, 12. And I had it on my phone, and I, I think about it constantly throughout the days and the weeks. But it goes like this. It says, be joyful in hope patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. You see, I think there's something that when we are in hope, we find an element of joy. And isn't it interesting that, um, that joy is our strength, the Bible says. <laughs> so apart from hope, you don't have joy. And apart from joy, you don't have strength. So I needed to remind myself and have an attitude of thanksgiving in order to get strength and hope that I needed. And so no matter how things looked, or no matter how I was treated, no matter how things were not working out, I had to be in a posture of thankfulness. And then the second ingredient was patient and affliction. That was a lot of fun, being patient. No, I'm ready for this to be over, right? And now I'm on the other side of this. And so this is like, oh yeah, that's a cute verse. That's great. But in the middle of that dark cloud time, I was like, I had to remind myself, be patient, be patient. And then the third part was being faithful in prayer, knowing that I could go to a heavenly father. Somebody who was, get this, ever present in times of trouble. It didn't feel that way, but he was ever-present in times of trouble. He sees where you're at. And the great news is, is when we have Christ, when we have forgiveness of sin, we have a hope beyond this life. We have a hope in the future. But this really was my anchor, that I held true to being joyful in hope, being patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. So I don't know, maybe one of these components really identifies with you. But I wanted to share that verse with you, and, uh, and Susie had a really great um, story of this, and so I want to invite her up. Give it up for my wife. <laughs> I said, Susie, this message is so good. And I said, you would share this story so much better than me,
1: so... Um, So to tell this story, I have to be a little bit vulnerable with you guys and honest. Is that cool? (laughs) Um, If you're new here, we do really enjoy honesty. So (laughs) Um, when we moved here, uh, it's really amazing because Sean got to step out of some kind of a tougher situation in California, but my situation was luxe. Like, I had it going on. Everything had worked out in my favor. <laughs> I mean, I had the best job. My teaching job was amazing. I was winning, like, teacher of the year kind of stuff on the radio stations. My principal believed in everything I would do. It didn't matter. It could be really weird, but she was fine with it. I, um, I, my retirement was looking slick. Like, it was going to be good in about 35 years. <laughs> um, everything was look on the up and up for me. And we had just built our third, we had put a third bedroom on this amazing house in my favorite town on my favorite hill that had crashed my bike growing up. Like, can you feel me? Do you feel me? My best friend was 15 minutes away. Everything was good, and God called us here, and I had to tell Jesus I was okay with that, and it was hard, if I'm honest. And um, I got here and. Um, I am so, I, I'm so pleased because honestly my favorite part of, about Arizona is this right here, you guys. But other parts of Arizona are not my favorite, which I'm not going to talk about. But <laughs> God had called me back to the desert, and I was okay with that. But when I got here, it was harder than I thought. Like I thought, I can get a different job. It's fine. My job is so more, much more difficult than I ever imagined. Insurance is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what? Okay, I have to pay $1 million for one single thing, awesome. And everything else just didn't line up for me, if I'm honest. And I began to get really, in my heart, sulky. Has anybody been in that spot? A little salty and a little sulky, salty-sulk, okay? (laughs) And I literally would go to Jesus and just tell him, I feel like this is harder than I thought it was gonna be and I I don't like it. And, um, And then something else happened. I really like my plants. Judy is my kindred spirit in this. And all my California plants started to wither. And I was getting real mad about that. And I'm doing everything I can to keep all my plants alive. And it was really hard because my plants were not living very well here. And this little plant, which I should have named long ago. We can take names later, okay? My little plant here, this is a nine-year-old plant, and when we moved into my favorite little house in Calamesa, Yucaipa, California, my neighbor gave it to me, also named Judy. And I've had this plant for nine years, and it's done super well. And actually, this little stalk right here used to have like 100 leaves. <laughs> but Arizona took them all away from me. <laughs> On the top of the little top part, all the leaves started dying and it was just, it actually was a little taller. Just dying, dying, more death, more death. My hope was trash for this plant. I would look at that plant and be like, Lord, this is how I feel right now. And I really was getting, losing my hope. On top of that, as you know, um, my baby brother died and all that happened. It's just been a hard season. And I was really struggling, and I, I, I was asking Jesus, like, Jesus, can you just show up? I need you to remind me of the hope that you are. I need that. And sometimes it's okay to ask God for just a little sign of his hope. It's okay. Because when we walk in obedience, just like Sean was saying, progressing, sometimes progressing is like this. But it's progressing. Sometimes we have to move because God tells us to move. We have to obey because that's what he likes. And I want to give Jesus what he likes. So one morning I woke up and I was feeling ever so terrible. It was going to be 104 outside or something, I don't know. (laughs) And I knew I had to do my own recess. That's another thing. I never had to watch my own kids at recess in California. (laughs) Anyways, so I get up and I'm already in a bad state. And I walk downstairs and I'm in the kitchen doing my thing. And I look over my plant, and do you know what I see? My dead plant that was dying has a massive sprig coming out from the very root of the plant. Look at that guy, he's awesome, you see him? There's also a picture, that's like, it's Gordo. Maybe I should name him that. (laughs) This, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. I'm doing something new in you but you can't always see it until I bring it forth. Some of you have been at the state of feeling that despair. You're feeling that hopelessness, and all you see is death, disruption, negativity. Your work's hard. Your life's hard. Your doctors aren't nice to you. It's just tough. But God is telling you, I'm doing something through this. I'm doing something inside of you. But you have to wait. Because I'm going to bring it forth. And when I do, it's going to be better than before. Will you guys stand up? And Jackie, can you guys come up? I just told Sean, I don't, I don't want to let him go. I'm going to pray um, over him. Cause, not that I'm over it. I'm not over the hard things of Arizona. I'm not going to lie to you. But man, when God spoke that to my spirit, I did feel there was a change inside of the underneath of me. And I know people's situations in here. I know a lot of stories. Stories of, I mean, honestly, our our afflictions are so minute to some of the stories that I know, and we should never compare, right? We don't compare. But I do know that the same hope that gets me through hot summer days (laughs) and my dying plants is the same hope that can get you through anything that God is bringing you through, and he will bring you through. Can you say that? He's gonna bring me through.
0: He's gonna bring me through.
1: And when he does, when he does, he's gonna be on the other side of that, because he's on this side too. That's what's so cool about our God. He gets to be on both sides. If you're going through a tough time right now, will you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hands up and be vulnerable like I was today? If you see somebody around you that has their hand up, can you find them and put your hands on them? And we're going to, as the church, be Jesus right now. Put your hands on them. And I want you to believe in their hope for them. Believe in their hope for them as I pray. And you pray with me. Don't let me pray alone. You pray with me. This is a house of prayer. We pray up in here. Jesus, I come to you, Father, and I pray hope right now. I pray your spirit of hope will come over this house. I pray places of death, places that look withered and dying and infinitely sorrowful, that you rise that that Holy Spirit happiness, Jesus, that you rise that joy and affliction, God. I pray that you will bring about a certain type of just a Holy Spirit breath where they breathe in your hope and they're ready to go, Jesus. I ask that your hope wells up like it's never welled up before. May this church be a group of people that go after you, that go after you in patience and go after you in joy, and that we are full of your hope, Christ. May you absolutely bring the hope that we need today, Jesus. Thank you that you never let us down, that you're on the other side of this. Say it again. He's on the other side of this. He's on the other side of this. In your name, Jesus. Amen.